come and exalt his name. Uh, this is the first service we've been able to have all together. And we may not all be in one room right now. We are some in the old sanctuary as well. I will ask you, if you are in a pew and there's no one on the other side of you, if you will slide all the way to the edge. We are having some people still come in. So we want to have those rooms on the ends for people to come in and sit uh, just to be able to have as much room in here as possible. Uh, but we want to worship the Lord today uh, with all of your soul, with all of your might. And so Mark's going to come. We're going to stand and sing Redeemed. And so let's stand and enjoy the song. Everyone, please stand. Page 356. We'll sing all four verses. Redeemed. <coughs> Redeemed, how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed through His infinite mercy. It's child and forever I am. Redeemed, redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the Scripture. I'm going to read that psalm that was just saying 
on the video, Psalms 34. I'm going to read verses 1 through 9, and it says this, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be on my mouth. My soul will make it boast in the Lord, and the humble will hear it and be glad. O oh, magnify the Lord with me. Come, let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him and became radiant, and their faces were not ashamed. I love verse 6. This poor man cried. And I'm a poor man, and I'm glad that when the poor man does cry, the Lord hears out, and he hears us. And the Lord heard and saved him out of his troubles. The angel of the Lord camps around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. For the ones who fear him will not be in need. And so I think that's a fitting psalm for us today. And so as we think of those things, continue as we go through psalm to lift up his name, to worship Jesus today. I know it's a somber service. I know it's a sad service for a lot of us. Uh, but at the same time, we can also praise God in it. And we can also thank him uh, for the blessings that we do have. And so we're going to go to the Lord in prayer. And then a couple of the ladies and men are going to come sing. Father, thank you for what you've done. Lord, I just want to come and lift your name up today. Lord, as my heart has been heavy these last couple of weeks, uh, Lord, you are the all-sufficient power for us. Lord, I pray that today we would just be able to lift your name and your name would be glorified in everything that is done and said. Lord, help us to lift you high and mighty. Help us to praise you as much as we possibly can. It's exciting having everyone here at one time and not having things broken up. But Lord, we can just bless your name for the protection that you've given us. Lord, I pray that you would just continue to be with us today. We love you and we thank you for all that you've done. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Andy and Leah, y'all are going to come and sing. Every time I try to make it on my own Every time I try to stand, I start to fall And on this lonely road that I traveled on There was Jesus When the life I built came crashing to the ground when the friends I had were nowhere to be found I could see it then, but I can see it now There was Jesus In the waiting, in the searching, in the healing, in the hurting Like a blessing Couldn't see it. There 
for this man who needs amazing kind of grace. For forgiveness at a price I couldn't pay. I'm not perfect, so I thank God every day. There was Jesus. There was Jesus. In the waiting, in the searching, in the healing, in the hurting, like a blessing buried in the broken pieces. Every and it's good to see hands raised and worshiping Jesus through that psalm. And I uh, just want to give you just a couple of announcements as far as church-related. Uh, moving forward, we will be doing one service at 10 o'clock from now on on Sunday. Uh, so at 10 o'clock from now on on Sunday, we'll meet right in here. We'll do the same protocol outside, live stream, and overflow if we need it. And so that'll be moving forward here with our church family. Um, and then on June 8th, which is tomorrow... I hope as many of you can be there, especially our young people, um, at 8 o'clock, our local, this is not something that our youth pastors put on, this is something that a local business owner said, you know what, I think our community needs to worship Jesus. And so this is how he put this together probably three or four weeks ago before any of this happened, and uh, he said, I just want some people to come, I've got a musician coming in, he's going to play worship music, we're going to have Buck Gatton, our uh, local FCA um, media person is going to come in and do a lesson. Um, I'm going to do some prayer and some stuff in there, uh, but we're going to be worshiping Jesus at Little Caesars in the drive-thru on a Monday night. And so it doesn't get much better than that. Um, we're going to come out and hang out and have a good time. So hopefully you can come and join us. Um, I'll be there, and I hope as many of you guys can be there as possible uh, to represent that. A couple of prayer requests I want to make known, make mention to you. Continue to pray for James Zermai, Wilma Sprinkle. And then this past Wednesday night, we uh, had a good time, good service uh, a guy named Quentin Turpin, he's a seven-year-old, I believe, at Hidnight, help me out with that, seven-year-old at Hidnight, and uh, he was diagnosed with cancer uh, this past week, so he's a young boy, uh, first grade most likely, going into second grade, 
uh, maybe second going to third, something like that. Uh, so pray for him, pray for his family. I couldn't imagine a seven-year-old going through uh, cancer, going through that. Continue to pray for the Shane Cavanaugh family um, as uh, he passed away in a bike accident just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, continue to pray for Kevin's dad, Terry White. Got an update that he is in a room, uh, but he's still in and out. Is that correct? And so just continue to pray for him, pray for the family as they're uh, still recovering. Uh, pray for Marsha Coldiron, Jerry's sister. Um, she has been moved to ICU with the brain bleed. Um, they can't contact her right now, so just continue to pray for her and the family. Uh, continue to pray for Fireball. Got a good report this last week, and so continue to pray for Fireball and Ellen. Uh, the Odom family with Miss Linda, uh, she's home, and so just continue to pray for David and Linda as they're going through that. Uh, a lot of prayer requests. We had a great time on Wednesday. If you haven't been coming on Wednesday night, now that we've been having services back together, come out. Um, Nancy Sherrill, uh, this is Monty's mom. Um, has diverticulitis, and so be praying for her. Uh, continue to pray for Randy Sweet. We had an update this past week about his toe and oxygen and everyday treatment, things like that, as well as Sheila and Randy's parents. And then uh, continue to pray for the protest and the riots that are going on with the George Floyd incident. And then our leadership here at our church as we continue to pray for the direction of our church and what God would have for us. And so we're going to go to the Lord in prayer. We'll have one more song and then our message for the day. Father, we want to come and thank you. Lord, we want to pray that you would just continue to put your blessings upon these prayer requests. I want just a little bit more today than what I normally would, but I wanted just to, just to experience that we all are hurting. We all have a lot of things going on. And uh, Lord, there's been blessings. Lord, on Wednesday night we had blessings that were proclaimed. I've got blessings in my life with my family coming in safe, my father-in-law coming in from Arkansas, my my sister coming in from Texas, and they, they got here safely. They didn't have to go through any troubles or anything. And, Lord, I just want to thank you for that. Uh, Lord, there's other hurts and there's other needs as far as physical ailments, spiritual ailments in this room. And I just pray, Father, that you would have your will and way in each of those situations. Lord, ultimately, we need your comfort. We need your grace. We need your, uh, your healing hand upon our life. And I pray, Father, that you would just continue to work in the life of our church, continue to work in... Uh, your ministries that you have started and created here. We thank you, Father, for all that you've done. We pray that you'll be with the, continue to be with the rest of the service. It's in your name we pray. Amen. As they're coming up, I know I was struggling with uh, what's going to happen today for quite some time, so uh, bear with me. Uh, when I was trying to figure out songs, which I normally do on a Tuesday or Wednesday, I always ask, for guidance from uh, the Holy Spirit and just different ones. And, and uh, Just Be Hell just came on the radio. And I said, well, we need to sing that song. And you know what? I've known Mitch and Angela for a long time. We was at a church in Stony Point, and we didn't have a youth program. And my girls were probably uh, eight, nine, something right in there. I'm not real sure. Um, but man, they was really getting good reports on what was going on down there at the local Baptist church. And uh, they wanted to go to this pizza thing. They wanted to go to this booby thing. And they went, I'm going, what in the world? What are they doing at that church? I mean, they're having pizza in the church? You know, they're having a movie in the church? What are they? And I'm going, well, you know, they're meeting with their friends. Preacher's over, don't know who he is. His wife teaches out there at school. And uh, I met her, she's all right. and. Uh, and everything, you know, they met their boys. I never really messed around married. She 
basically kept me scared to death to be around her. But uh, the boys met them, and now they're just there. They're just normal people. But the way they was going about it, getting people in the church, was completely unusual. And uh, of course, you know, I'm used to the youth not doing nothing. You know, you just come to church, sit down there, be quiet, color, whatever you got to do, and then hopefully you'll listen to a couple words that the preacher says or something will come up. You know, oh yeah, I may, I may need to ask about this or that. But when that came in, and uh, uh, it came in at the right time for our community, not for my girls or not for somebody in particular, but for our community, they came at the perfect time. And God's timing is perfect. It, it's not, oh, man, it was close. I kind of overshot that a little bit. No, it's perfect. And uh, I was talking to that little fella of mine. <sighs> Love him dearly. And I said, Andy, when was the first time you met Angela or Mitch? Because I don't know. I said, well, think about it. He goes, third grade, second grade? I said, and you've known him ever since you was in the second grade. And he absolutely adores the kings. He does. They've been good to him. They, they've never whooped him. You know, a lot better than what I've done. So. And, you know, their guidance with not only our family, but other families in this church and down the road there in Stony Point has been affected by this crazy guy and his wife. Uh, it's, it's just a true testimony of what God can do if you get out of the way. True testimony. I love Mitch. I always have. Even when he got thrown out of that basketball game, I thought that was the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. But you know what? I got thrown out a bunch too, so I had my share. But you know, there, there's a lot of good memories we have with this couple and their family, and uh, we just love them. And uh, they're, they mean the world does. Really do. Now, is this going to be our last opportunity to tell? I wasn't going to take that chance. So I'm telling them. I love them. Oh, man. This ain't no show. This is all spirit. God told me for two weeks that uh, you might need to say something. I said, no, I don't need to say nothing. Everybody else just like everybody else has said plenty. My wife has known Angela ever since she's been here, and she knows her well. I don't know her as well as Angie does, and I don't know everybody as well, but, you know, I sit back, and I watch, and I pay attention. I see what goes on, and, and I see the, 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 the things that come out of it, the gifts of the Spirit that come out of this union that God put together. And, uh, I can, man, I can name a bunch of people that my two girls uh, have friends with that are just eat up with Jesus, just eat up. And it goes to back. It goes back to their love of Jesus Christ and how they portrayed it to our kids. That's all it is to it. You see Jesus in them. And uh, I don't mean to be going on. I really do apologize. I really didn't think I was going to cry, but I had a backup. But just be held. This song comes up. Listen to the words of this song. Not how they sing it. Anything else? Just listen to the words of this song. I know He has held me. He's held you. There's been times in your life that you need held. You need loved. 
and he told that you mean something, you matter. And I believe y'all done that, Angela. Mitch, I believe y'all done that. And I appreciate and love you. And then I'm get out of the way. Let's pray for Andy and leave. I would also like to thank, hold on one second. I would also like to thank Angela and Mitch for everything you gave me. Opportunities. All right. Holding it all together, everybody needs strong. When life you hit out of nowhere, better leaves you holding on. Home. And when you're tired of fighting, chained by your control, there's freedom and surrender. Lay it down and let it go. So when you're on your knees and answer seems so far away, you're not alone, stop holding on and just be held. Your world's not falling apart, it's falling into place. Come on the throne, stop holding on and just be
privilege to stand before you one last time this morning. Jonathan Edwards was a great preacher, a theologian, probably one of the greatest, if not the greatest, theologian America has ever produced. God used him mightily for the first great awakening in the 1740s and uh, just did a lot through him. He was also uh, president of Princeton University for some years. Just a great preacher, great writer. And uh, as far as categories of preachers, I am nowhere near in his class. But I do share one thing with Jonathan Edwards. Both of us will have left our congregations in less than favorable manners. I want to share a quote dated 1750. This is from Jonathan Edwards' farewell sermon. He says, We live in a world of change where nothing is certain or stable and where a little time, a few revelations, revolutions of the sun brings to pass strange things. Surprising alterations in particular persons, families, and towns, and churches, in countries and nations. And boy, we have seen change in our world in a very short period of time. Edwards continues, it often happens that those who seem most united in a little time are most disunited and at the greatest distance. Thus, ministers and people, between whom there has been the greatest mutual regard and strictest union, may not only differ in their judgments and be alienated in affection, but one may rend from the other, and all relation between them be dissolved. The events of the past five weeks have certainly proved that to be true here at Sulphur Springs. I still find it hard to deal with the reality that today is my last time to stand before you as pastor. With this event, a very significant chapter in my life and the life of my family is coming to a close. And whether or not I should have seen this coming, that can be debated. But we are here now at a parting of the ways. For my part, I had hoped that God would allow me to minister here for many, many more years. I consider serving as a pastor a privilege. I've considered it a privilege to have been with you for 17 years. And I can still remember the thrill three and a half years ago when I was called to serve as your senior pastor. I remember also having a sense of being inadequate for what lay ahead. And I still feel that way. 
And uh, it's been a struggle, but it has been a privilege. And for how I've been able to serve you, and for those who have allowed me to be your pastor, I appreciate that. And I'll have some more words to say at the end, but for right now, let's look together at God's Word one last time together. Now, you go ahead and turn to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to be reading verses 11 through 16. Two weeks ago, I was up here and I gave the message from the first six verses of Ephesians chapter 4. And that focus was unity. And it is still my hope and prayer that this family will achieve a restored unity. That message focused on that God has called his people to maintain, to eagerly maintain that spirit of unity that the Holy Spirit gives. We don't create it, but we're called to maintain it. I want you to remember that we're all on Team Jesus. There are no sides. There are disagreements, but there are no sides. As I said, and as that passage points out, that the essence of God is unity. God is one, and he reveals himself to us in the triune God, but there's one Father, one Son, one Spirit, one bond of unity. Unity is important because it reflects who he is in his character, in his essence. Now, I repeat that because the second message that I give from 11 through 16 may at first seem to undermine that previous message. It's not the case. They do go together, and I pray that all will listen carefully. So... Let's stand together in honor of the reading of the word. And I will begin reading with verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that builds itself up in love. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the privilege of standing before a group of people and proclaiming it. Father, I pray now your Holy Spirit will indeed hold us close. Father, that you will work your perfect will in through this family of faith. And God, may we continue to worship 
and praise Jesus together. And we ask this in his name and for his sake. Amen. I want to talk about the ministry of the word this morning in this final message. You see there in verse 11 what God gives to his church. And I first want to say that God gives pastors to shepherd the flock through teaching. Paul addresses the office of the pastor teacher as one who leads the New Testament church. The apostles, that first group, those were the ones who had seen Jesus. That was a select and unique group. And when they died out, the office of apostle no longer existed. Likewise, the prophets were those who had been given the gift of exhortation and proclamation during the time of the formation of the New Testament itself. They did not have the New Testament at this point. So God gave them prophets and he gave them evangelists too like Philip in Acts 8 and they went from place to place sharing the gospel. But the pastor teacher was the office given to men who were to shepherd the family of God. In the Greek this is a compound word. It goes together. It's not two separate offices. There is not a pastor and then there's not a teacher. It is a pastor teacher. John MacArthur, a great commentary student of the word, says the word for pastor has the meaning of shepherd and it emphasizes the care, protection, and leadership of the man of God for the flock. The word for teachers has to do with the primary function of pastors. Now the next task, and it'll be a challenge, next task that faces this congregation is a selection of a new pastor. Now I'm confident this is going to be undertaken with much prayer and much consideration because like any pastor, your next pastor is going to have a great responsibility. And how he discharges the duties of pastoring is going to have a great impact on this family of faith. That should come as no surprise because as a church we're currently experiencing what happens when a pastor leaves a church in the midst of conflict. This is not a good event. It's not good for the church family. It's not good for new believers. It's not good for the community who sees that Jesus people just don't get along. So it's not a good thing. Now, sometime during this search process, you're going to be directed to 1 Timothy 3. And that's a passage that gives the qualifications for both deacons and pastors. As you note, those qualifications in verse 2 of 1 Timothy 3, you will see that the elders, the pastors, are required to be able to teach. This is the only qualification that's given to the pastors that's not given to the deacons. All those other issues are character issues. But your elder, your pastor, is required to be able to teach. That's the only quality that is singled out. 
It's a very important qualification. Another pastor, theologian, John Stott, says, Nothing is more necessary for the building up of God's church in every age than an ample supply of God-gifted teachers. It is teaching which builds up the church. It is teachers who are needed most. And given these two words, teacher and preacher, what word is Jesus himself best known by? Do people call him the great preacher? Or do they call him the great teacher? Even lost people will say that Jesus was a good teacher. Upon seeing a crowd of people, Jesus identified them as sheep without a shepherd and went and began to teach them many things. Mark 6, 34. Jesus is shown to be a teacher in Matthew 4, 23, 5, 2, 7, 29, 9, 35, 11, 1, 21, 23, and 22, 16, just to name a few. In his final charge to the church, what we know is a great commission, Jesus commanded us, his disciples, that we might go and make disciples and teach them all that he had commanded. Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Second point. God gives pastors to the church to equip the members, the members for the work of the ministry. Verse 12. One of the main functions of the pastor is to build up the health of the church by equipping them, preparing them. And it should come as no surprise that this task is accomplished through teaching. One of the most glaring weaknesses of the American church is the mindset of the pastor as a hired gun. Just let the pastor do whatever needs to be done while the members sit and soak on the pews. This is a far cry from the New Testament model of every believer a ministry. A minister, excuse me. Modern churches, church members rather, have found it easier to give money to a ministry than to be involved in it. Some believers have come to the mistaken conclusion that only a special group of Christians are called to be disciple makers and perform ministry. That is not the case. The Great Commission is for every believer and God has not granted any exceptions. I was talking to my friend, Pastor Paul Schrantz, and he was saying that uh, he was doing this oar analogy. He said, every member in the boat has been given an oar. And when every believer understands this and uses his or her oar to move the boat forward, unity will be enhanced. But your oar has been given to you to do ministry. And if you don't have an oar, maybe you're not in the boat. And you might need to check up on that. Now the idea that we can coast because we belong to God, we're saved, is not new. In the Old Testament, Amos the prophet dealt with this same issue. And in Amos 6, 1, he was inspired of God to declare woe to those who are at ease in Zion. God never intended his people to put a check in the box that says I'm saved 
and leave ministry to those who are called. If you have surrendered your life to Jesus, you are called. So when you look for your new pastor, I pray that you don't avoid the men of God who will faithfully proclaim the full counsel of his word. I can remember this when I was a young teenager in Tennessee, a revival preacher there. He was talking about the ministry of the word, and he said this. He said, the word will bring comfort to those who are disturbed, but it will disturb those who are comfortable. And I think it's very possible that the ministry of the word has disturbed some who have been comfortable here. Third point, God gives pastors to the church to bring the members to spiritual maturity. See this in verses 13 through 15. Paul continues with the idea of building up the church to good health and the concept of maturity. In verse 13, you'll see the phrase to mature manhood. In verse 14, he has the goal that we may no longer be children. In verse 15, he states, we are to grow up. Each of these phrases has to do with spiritual maturity. Now, spiritual growth is not different from any other kind of growth. God does not supernaturally zap his children into maturity. Spiritual growth, like any other kind of growth, requires effort. And I believe this, you may disagree, but I believe this area of spiritual maturity through the proclamation of the word is the main issue that has led to this present situation. This topic of spiritual maturity is not easy, but it is an expectation that God has for all of his believers. The writer of the book of Hebrews put it this way, and this is in Hebrews chapter 5, verses 11 through 14. This is the word of God. About this we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracle of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Now I will admit that I have used the word shallow to describe some of those who have complained about the preaching, and this has offended some people. I talked with an older pastor about this a year and a half ago when it came up, and he told me that he dealt with this situation as well. He said after one of his sermons, a woman came to him and said, Pastor, you're just, you're just too deep. And he looked at her and he said, Man, the problem's not that I'm too deep, it's that you're too shallow. Now some are offended by being called shallow. I've been, I've been told that when I say that, I've been telling people that uh, I've been calling y'all stupid. I said, no, I never said stupid. I said shallow. That was dismissed. No, no, no. Shall stupid. You're calling stupid. They're two different words with two different meanings. 
We don't look at a five-year-old in a swimming pool who's in the two-foot deep section and call him stupid. We just realize he's not ready for the deep water. He's shallow. But do we leave him there? No. We teach him to navigate the deep waters on his own. Part of a pastor's ministry is to lead the flock in maturity into a deeper understanding of the word. Too many of God's children are comfortable with the minimum. Too many Christians just want to be encouraged instead of challenged. Growing in grace and being conformed to the image of Christ involves some painful experience. Proverbs 27, 17 says that iron sharpens iron. And that's true. But what happens when those irons are hitting each other? To be sharpened. Pieces are coming off. Well, that's a painful process because the spiritual maturity process, we get some pieces knocked off of us and we don't like it. Too many Christians, too many church members want a cushion instead of a cross. We haven't been called to carry a cushion. We've been called to carry a Christ and die to self. It's not about us. It's about him. It's about living for him. If we have the attitude that we just want to be comfortable, we just want to be encouraged, we just want to be made to feel good, I'll say two things. One, go listen to Joel Osteen. And two, that attitude, if prevalent, will destroy a church. Now, last point and try to show how this ties in with unity. God gives pastors to the church to assist the members in focusing on Christ. And you see that in verses 15 and 16. The pastor will be used of God to lead the church in this focus. Now, he cannot humanly create this focus. But he can lead in this direction. And the man of God is called to be balanced. Peter in Acts 6, 4 declared this, we will devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. Those are the two primary aspects of the pastor's job. It's not necessarily about coddling people. It's about preaching the word. Now, the man of God, when he is in balance and he's serving as a good example to the flock, 1 Peter 5.3, he can be used of God to lead others to follow Christ. And when this is taking place, you will see that each part working properly, and this is verse 16, each part working properly, the body will grow so that it builds itself up in love. And that's really what I want for this church family. I want to see harmony and a sense of being on mission for Christ. I don't even want to see a small derailing. I certainly don't want anybody to leave this church because of what's happening here. But if you're going to remain on mission, if you're going to remain together, it's going to require a sense of harmony and a sense of purpose and direction. The prophet Amos said in chapter 3, verse 2, can two walk together unless they be agreed? Now, the point here is, is that there have been many of you over the years that have told me you've grown through the ministry of the Word. Not what I've done, but the Word. 
But there are many others here that don't want to be challenged. And calling the next man of God without understanding who you are as a congregation and what you want, you're going to be dealing with this situation in the near future again. If you call a man who's going to preach the word of God. Now, the right pastor can be used of God in a powerful way to lead his church. It has become evident to me that I am not that man. I have my shortcomings and my flaws. But the good news is there are expository preachers that love Jesus, that love his word, and they don't have my flaws. And I pray that God will send one to you. But I'm at the point, and it's been made known to me that I am no longer able to effectively shepherd this flock. But I can say this. In all the years I've been here, but especially in the last three and a half years, as I've stood before you proclaiming God's word, there is nothing that I have to be ashamed of. I don't have a problem with that. I have discharged that duty. I'm also the firm belief that expository preaching and the systematic teaching of the word is the most effective means to bring about church health. That doesn't mean that it can't be done in other ways. I believe this is the most effective way. And God has men who can do it better than I can. They're more charismatic, they're more dynamic, they're more loving. And I pray God will send you one. But let me just share this. There's a couple of pastors in this congregation this morning, and I think they would agree with this. I don't care who your next pastor is. He's going to disappoint some of you. Because he's going to be a man, if I'm not mistaken. A human man. Though redeemed, will have a sin nature. And you just can't please this many people. So, for your next man of God, I encourage you to look beyond him to the great shepherd of the sheep who will never disappoint you. Jesus, the only perfect man. The only one who did it right. I bring this message to a close. I do want to share just from heart. I love this family. You have allowed me the privilege of serving for 17 years. That's incredible. There's a lot of men that... And I've worked with some of them. Pastor, first pastor I worked with when I was part-time youth at Rocky Mount... He was at that church I was at. He was in his fourth year, and that was one of the longest places he'd stayed everywhere, anywhere. I talked to someone at Walmart the other day. They were a pastor's kid, and they said that they were in seven different churches in nine years. Said one church they stayed at, her daddy stayed at for seven months. So I am grateful 
I am grateful that you have allowed me to be here. You've entrusted your kids with me on youth trips. You've allowed me to take some of them out of the country. And I did bring them back. Uh, but what a privilege. What a privilege to stand before you and proclaim the word of God. What a privilege. You as a church family, Sulphur Springs Baptist, are special to me and you will always be special to me. This is my, if I even have another one, this will still be the first church that allowed me to serve as senior pastor. So you'll always be special to me for that. And I want to thank you for that. I'm going to go ahead and, and close with this. If I start getting too personal and reflective, I'm probably going to get emotional. Emotional. So I'm going to go ahead and quit while I'm ahead. I do love you, church. And I do want to see you walk in the blessings of God. I do want to see you stay together. I do want to see you do ministry together. And so, like Samuel, the prophet, in his farewell address to the children of Israel, like him, my heart is that I would not sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 23. I intend to and I hope I will continue to pray for you in the days and weeks and months and years to come. This is a great church. Not a perfect church but a great church. Let me pray with you this one last time. We'll be dismissed. I don't think we're going to have a, an invitation. I don't know how that the ushers are going to dismiss people. What it, I don't, anyway, let me just pray for you and then we'll be done. Father God, I just come before you thanking you for the privilege of serving and Father, I, I pray your forgiveness in those areas in my life where I have failed to be Jesus to these people, where I have come up short. God, I just... Uh, I just... Father, just... Uh, You hold us all close. Father, just keep us right in the perfect center of your will. God, these are my brothers and sisters in Christ. And while we might have disagreement, we're still on Team Jesus. And Father, help this world, this community to see a family of faith get their eyes and hearts focused on you, Jesus, and rise above this situation. God, again, I thank you for the privilege of proclaiming your word. And Father, I just thank you for the memories and 
for all the good that you brought my way. Lord, I don't deserve any of it. I don't deserve to stand behind this sacred desk. But for whatever reason, God, you chose me, you called me, and I just want to be faithful and again forgive me where I have failed you, where I have failed your people. But Lord, thank you. Thank you for the privilege of serving. And God, I pray that as we are dismissed in your peace, we will continue to serve King Jesus faithfully. I ask it and pray it in the name of our Savior Jesus. Amen and amen. And we are dismissed.